Spring Gunning. Uh, it's not technically the... No. Good morning. Good good morning. You didn't say it to me. I like to start my day with a good morning. Didn't I say no. it off the top? Didn't I, I say so. good morning, fan morning did. show? I thought you just said fan morning show, I thought. I didn't think you started with a good morning. Okay, well, good right, morning. Maybe Sorry. job by me listening. I don't know. Yeah, good, good morning, Brent. Thank you. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. How are you today? I, was, I, I am good. Continue to be good. I, right. I was going to start the show with, like, it's it's not technically the mm. NHL's all-star break yet because teams, this is actually a nice showcase week for the Senators. They play twice here just before they, the break. Just what they want. Yeah, well, yesterday they were the only show in town, them and the Nashville Predators. I was watching on Sportsnet and uh, David Amber and the gang doing a great job. Um, And I was David. like, oh, just sad for David. I know he's always worried when Canadian teams aren't doing well, and uh, that was a rough one for him. Eventually turned out well. but Yeah, well, I mean, it was embarrassing that the first 20 minutes of that game, Mad Sogard, a uh, young backup goalie, had his family in attendance, and he was down 3 nothing. Um, and then he was lifted, and the Ottawa Senators got themselves off the mat uh, with a 4-3 overtime victory over uh, future Toronto Maple Leaf, UC Soros. <laughs> Uh, who uh, was pretty good in the early stages of that game? Insane. Obviously, allows Fit right four in. consecutive goals. But yeah, it's it's a weird. I mean, I'm I'm used. To, this is the way I feel about the Major League Baseball All Star break, where it just it feels like there's not a ton going on. That's the slowest period mm-hmm. of the sports calendar. Have you booked it off yet in North America, buddy? As as soon as I, I finish the show, I'm I'm gonna yeah get on the horn with our bosses to book it off because you got it you got to do that can't can't be working that that week. Um, but yeah, it, it, and I know there's lots of NBA to talk about and a full slate of, of basketball games. The Raptors back in action tonight in Chicago against the Bulls. It's just this week has a weird feel to it, and I guess it's because the Leafs set the the sports conversation in the city. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. We've had too many of these weeks this year. This one's definitive, though. Like, there's not going to be practices with the other slow times. It's like, well, we see the guys, and they're going to the... They're gone. The players I, I do saw not exist. Mitch Marner did make oh. an Instagram post oh. yesterday. I was like, oh, is this going to be something? There's some fodder. Yeah. And it was a repost of his wife <laughs> okay. who has a locked Instagram account. Great. Awesome. And I was like, well, what do I do with this? I, I can't think, do anything with this. I think just move on with your day. I did. I did. That's what you did. But yeah, it's it is a it's always a weird feel when the Leafs are absent, and uh, you know I like I feel this way in the summer. So welcome all of you to my mm. life uh, now, missing the Leafs. And, oh yeah, don't worry, there's stuff. Okay, we got Carlos Baerga oh. tweets. Yeah we, yeah, we got Dylan Brooks versus LeBron James. Yeah. There's there's more than a few things to talk there's about pl- today. Like you said, there's plenty going on. It's just weird when you don't have your like again, and this says a lot about me and the way I do my job. But it's all right, let me organize my leaf thoughts, and then what else is there to do? And that's not saying that's how everybody does it. Certainly not, but that's how I go about my business. So, uh, yeah, it's always a little weird. when you know, what it's, you know what it's like? It's like my house if my wife's not there. Mm. It's like everything still goes fine. Nothing catches on fire. My mm. child stays alive, but it's just it's not right. You need oh, the whole family there cute. together. Yeah, that was really. Yeah, cute. but I'm. I want to be clear. I'm not the Leafs of my house. I'm mm. like the Raptors. It's like sometimes I have a moment, and they're like, "Hey, remember that summer yeah. when you really took care and you stepped up? That yeah. was my 2019 run." And but, then, yeah, and you go a couple of years being irrelevant. No, right? no talking about what my Jakob Pertl <laughs> trade is. Uh, all right, so yeah, there are there, there's things to talk about from the sporting world yesterday, but I mentioned it. Leafs set the the sports conversation in the mm-hmm. city. So let's talk about yeah. the Leafs. So even though we're uh, almost okay. a week All away right. from their Twist next my game. my arm. Go ahead. We'll, we'll do it. 
this is what you do at the midway point of the season. You talk about the first half of the season. You project towards the second half. So let's let's take stock here. Leafs at the break, 25-14-8. They've got 58 points. Had 64 points through 47 games last year. So six points fewer on a lesser pace. They're 11th in points percentage. They were fifth last year in points percentage. Eighth in goals, four per game. They were ninth last year, so slightly better there. Uh, but here's where it gets ugly. Mm. 21st in goals against per game this season. They were sixth a season ago. And why is that? Well, here's a pretty good indicator. 20th in save percentage this season. They were 10th last year. So um, I got a couple of different topics here uh, about the first half and, and going uh, projecting again towards mm-hmm. the second half. I think after relaying those statistical changes between yeah. last year and this year, this is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Brent, mm. is there any reason to believe that this Leafs team has a better chance to go deeper in the playoffs than last year's Leafs team? Yes, but it has nothing to do with this Leafs team. This is a little bit Chiefs conversation of the Chiefs are good. They got through the AFC, but it's a lot about how I feel about the Eastern Conference. We talked about it with Frank yesterday, last year at the deadline Anybody who was even sniffing a playoff spot said, you know what? We better load up. We better not do a little tweak move around the edges. No, we better go get a top six forward, a top four D, maybe one of each or a middle six piece as well. Some multiple things that can help. And it was the Rangers. It was the Devils. It was the Leafs. It was the Lightning. You saw it up and down the lineup. Florida went and added. And now this year, this is a conference where you look at it. All the teams that are expected to load up, the you know, not that there's as many sexy names, but it's like your Lindholm trade. That's almost certainly going to take place in the Western Conference. It's just a lot of other teams that have question marks. Boston has been from start to finish by record best team in the conference. I don't think anybody looks at them as some world beaters that can't be touched. Florida Panthers, a lot of people saying very good things about them right now. Rightfully so. Mm. Scary team. I don't look at them as the ultimate Peak stoppers. Too early. That well, I mean, we've seen this movie before in hockey. We've yeah. literally seen this the opposite movie with them. So it's less about the lease for me than it is about the conference as a whole. Is I just think the road to get there is so much less treacherous than it was a year ago. Okay, so the Leafs only one point back of the Lightning uh, with three games in hand, but technically they are in the top wild card spot right now, which would mean a date. With the Metro leading New York Rangers, does that sound like something you'd be interested in? And I guess Igor Shosturkin, like any any given couple of weeks, could go absolutely ham. You're right. That's the number one reason to to believe in this team over last year because there's not mm-hmm. a lot of statistical reasons outside of the Eastern Conference and particularly the Metro. If you could get up, if you could line yourselves up uh, in a first round series against them, I. I, I I, I doubt the Maple Leafs will be able to game the system down the stretch mm-hmm. to end up in that spot. I mean, it's why, God, the, the NHL was the first to do the all-star draft thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll be the first one Not day to do the like, draft your playoff team thing. Because uh, it, would would it would be un-freaking-believable. And you'd have to do it round over round after round, right? Like, you'd have to do, yeah, top a half of the playoff field gets to choose its opponents. Obviously, the, the fourth team would not they would be forced to take whoever's left over there but and then you reseed in the second round and you get to choose your opponent again like i i to me that would add extra impetus to finish atop the standings during the regular season especially a season like this who doesn't want a metro team over any and nobody's a world beater either way but like who wouldn't prefer 
a Rangers or a Flyers over a Bruins or yeah. a a Panthers or even the Lightning, considering their diminished uh, season that they're having mm-hmm. this year, but like the playoff pedigree, who wouldn't choose any of those Metro teams? Yeah, I think I, the Shostakovich of it all is, is still terrifying. Yeah, well, I want to get to those. I just, as you mentioned that though, reverse thought exercise. Okay, we always think about the Leafs and you know how things stack up for them. If you're a a Boston, a Florida, or a Rangers who would have a pick in mm-hmm. this draft, like, would you want? Like if you're if you have the Hurricanes, the Flyers, the Red Wings, the Lightning Dude. at your disposal. Now I, you could stay here and say, "What are you talking about? It's the Leafs, the biggest no, chokers 100%. ever." One hundred percent. This is a great question. Where, like, because you could talk me into both sides of it. You could say they have Martin Jones tending goal for them, and the guy just came back. He, he barely keep his wits about him for more than six weeks. Or you could say, uh, "No thanks, I do not need to sign up for a series with seventy goal yep. Austin Matthews." No, how would they be viewed? I I think despite. The, the perception, and rightly, that the Leafs have been a team that has underperformed, to say the very least, uh, in the postseason the last seven years. I think, and boy, the proof is kind of in the pudding mm-hmm. because, okay, you can laugh at it. They lost all the winner-take-all games, but they've, they've been yes. the underdog in a bunch of series <laughs> and taken, you know, the Bruins to a couple of seven games and the Lightning to a seventh game yep. and end up in a cup final. Like, that. I do not think the Leafs would be selected early no. on in that process no. if, in fact, they didn't choose their postseason uh, opponent. No, I think it's a it's a great, great point. It is the number one point to believe in this season being different mm-hmm. than all others. Secondarily, yeah. though, it's the guy that you mentioned, the 70-goal guy. Yeah, yeah he's like, pretty he's, good. Eh? He's at the peak of his powers, right? Like a season ago, he had a, a great six-game series against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but it was a diminished regular season version of himself. You're like, oh, well, is this guy going to show up during the postseason? Mm. This year, it's like, oh, are we finally going to get the Connor McDavid uh, taking over a playoff series single-handedly, which seems possible considering the, the offensive explosion season he's had. And lastly, the last point, I want to, the Mm. last log I want to throw on this fire to to believe that this is the year finally the Leafs break through and and go deep, deep, deep in in the postseason is, uh, because sports make no sense. And like, sometimes when you least expect it, sometimes when it makes the least sense is when it finally (laughs) happens, right? Like who would have thought last year was this Panthers team that, you know, did have aspirations of going deep in the postseason. Who would have thought them on the final day of the regular season making the postseason would make it all the way to the cup final? Even a Vegas Golden Knights team a season ago was in and around where the Leafs are in the yep. standings at, at the All-Star break, go on and, and win their first cup in franchise history. Sometimes sports, they make no sense. Oh, I, I actually didn't know that was available to us because oh, that yeah. would have been number one with a bullet. The idea that, and you know, like we'll talk about what the deadline may or may not look like, but the idea where it's a soft pedal deadline where you kind of hold your powder dry for another year and you say, okay, get in the playoffs, see what happens. You got a young goalie. It would be the least remarkable thing in the world if a team like that went on a run. Now I'm not calling for it by mm-hmm. any means, but just when you it's, you know, it's the Godfather three, it's the, the night is darkest before the dawn or just when I'm out, you pull me back in. Mm-hmm. That's what we've seen a million times with this group and yes, yeah, sports. So I, I did not know like yeah, you're allowed to do of, that one, but that, that's you are. Well, then that's, that's the number one with <laughs> a bullet sports. making no sense. Yeah. yeah number and it's, one with a bullet. And it's not the, Hey, well, the pressure is going to be off this team. If they don't add at the deadline and they're an underdog going into guess this, what? they've been there before. Well, also guess what? The pressure might not be on Max Domi and not adding at the deadline might take a little bit of the pressure off Elias Samsonov or Joe Wall, but 
you could sell at the deadline. It doesn't take the pressure off Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and William Nylander and Morgan Riley and John Tavares. And quite frankly, when we're talking about the Leafs, that's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Really? You know, again, like they need to get saves. All that other stuff matters, but it wouldn't matter what they do between now and then. There's no such thing as a no pressure playoffs for, for a Leafs team, especially this one. All right. Well, let's go there then. Uh, The deadline fast approaching in February. What does Brad for living need to see from this team to become a serious deadline buyer? So like, I, Mm -hmm. I'm of the belief that they're going to buy like soft buy, Mm -hmm. not this soft sell stuff. Like no soft buy that they're, they're, they're not swinging for the fences. No Costco though. Yeah. No. Uh, God, I, I frequent Costco way too much because it's five minutes away from my house now, but, um, no, there's none of this like first round picks for rentals thing, mm-hmm. but yeah, like an Ilya Labushkin, does that make some sense? It sure mm. does. Probably not going to cost you a first round pick. What would it take for Brad for living to, to start shopping at the tippy top of, of the deadline buying aisle? Really seems simple. And there are things that would reverberate from this, but it all starts with a whole bunch of saves. Don't really care who's giving them to you so long as it's not Martin Jones. Sorry, I do think it's from a different basket when it's that guy. But if you're getting consistent goaltending, and whether that means Samsonov grabs the net and Wall reverts to a true backup, or Wall comes in and takes his job back, or whatever you want to look at that, and Samsonov proves good enough to be a 1B role, but you need to feel like your goaltending is good enough to win. And the reason why you need to see that is because the the other biggest flaw outside of goaltending for this team, and you know, I suppose we can quibble about it, but the one that jumps out to me immediately is the penalty kill. It is something that can nuke you in the playoffs, and guess what? Those two things are completely tied at the hip. So I think Treliving needs to see a lot else, but it all starts, it all reverberates from getting saves night in and night out. Yeah, see, I I don't think so. Because okay. I think that's going to happen. Like, I think they're going to get saves. They're, they're going to get better goaltending than, again, the 20th save percentage performance they've got the first half of the season. You've seen it with the three-game winning streak from Ilya Samsonov. I don't know if he's going to be in the Vesna conversation at the end of the year, but I certainly think he can be a lot closer to the version of the guy that we saw a season ago, which means, like, to your point, that mm-hmm. the penalty kill is going to be better and the goals against average is just is going to be better. To me, there's only one thing. Because I think what the, the die is cast with this team at the deadline. Like I said, they're going to be soft buyers. Every indication is such. And if you're Brad for living, mm-hmm. if like the, the, the market is going to allow you to do that without screaming from the rooftops and you can like delay the, the hotness of your seat by a single year, why wouldn't you take that opportunity when there's no clear, obvious upgrade for you at the deadline? So I think that's what he's going to do unless this happens. Austin Matthews starts making noise about this being his best year and, like, why aren't we a little bit more aggressive? Like, it's not going to be in those obvious terms, but you start seeing, like, the wins perhaps not coming and some obvious flaw, like, say, an injury occurs and, Mm. you know, we can talk about John Tavares going through a foul point uh, as far as uh, the goals and the points are concerned, but, boy, if if he goes down with an injury and you're, like, Max Domi, second-line center, and, like, where's your center depth there? If, if, yeah, the aged yeah. John Tavares goes down and all of a sudden here's Austin Matthews again, you know, putting up hat trick performances in, in you know, overtime losses or or this this team is still hit, uh, sitting around the, the playoff dividing line in the Eastern Conference and you get something, granted, that we've never seen before. Yeah. And I don't anticipate seeing, but like, it's not unforeseen. Like it's never happened. It's not like it's never happened in North American pro sports where a team's superstar athlete is like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, I don't have a hundred years of this type of performance. 
And I get it that you want to be here for a long time. Yep. And I'm already locked up here for a long time. But who's to say next year, like the Dan Campbell of it all, yep. who's to say we're here again next year? That's the one scenario where I could see, okay, well, we have no choice but to placate the guy. I understand that he has a a, a, a now a long-term contract. Mm-hmm. He's he's under contract. So as long for, as he's capable well, of signing him. He's, that's it. <laughs> But yeah, we we can't we can't we can't have this mm. where we go into a postseason where he doesn't feel like he's been supported enough, or we go into an off season yep. where it's like, what the hell are we doing here? What like I thought we were in this to win it every single year. Yeah, I, there there is obviously a world where he pushes a button and you know does an interview with somebody, or I don't know, it could be way way more subtle than that. If somebody's seeing a meme about mm, doing too much with too little, that's liked by Austin Matthews right. on Instagram. I or mean, something, in this right? market, you don't think no, that no, would I, be enough? I oh, do, yeah. but here's what I think is that couldn't have possibly picked a worse year to use that leverage. Not only has he locked himself in, the GM just got locked in. Willie Nylander just got locked in. What what what's Bradshaw living like I'm not saying he wants to get in a game of of poker or a stare down with Austin Matthews. I don't no. think that's the way he'd go about it, but if there was ever a time where the organization says, "Okay, so what?" This would be the year. And I don't, can you ever no, say that to no, the, the, you can't. the franchise? Who's going to be the okay. franchise What's, leader in here's goals? Here's the thing. Both things are equally as likely, quite honestly, in my opinion. Austin Matthews going publicly with, this is too much. I can't go on like this. Because it would need to be understood that Mitch Marner feels that way. And I'd imagine William Nylander, too. Because yeah. he is going to be... You know, say what you will about John Tavares. He's never going to make a wave. I, I don't even think he'd like go in a wave pool. Probably yeah. too dangerous or something like that. But never going to make a wave publicly. It's just you can't see it happening. But if that were to happen, that is the one guy who has the impetus to kind of push things along. But wouldn't you, if you did feel that way, and the reason I don't think he did it this way is because I t- took him at his word for the first six years of his career that this is where he wants to be. But if he did feel that way, you would have maybe felt a little more comfortable doing the Nylander of, okay, here's our number. Great. Mm-hmm. Let's see how the year goes. Mm-hmm. Let's see what you're going to do here. And that obviously was never part of the equation for Matthews, which I love about him, which uh-huh. I, which we, we cannot overstate. Like, don't take this mm-hmm. to be poo-pooing on the player for that. But it's just he kind of – he. He will always have leverage. He will always matter. Well, but he it. threw away as much of it as he possibly mm, could. Have. I don't know. You always have leverage. Like I don't care about the no move clause. I mean, the, those well, are it's leverage. A it's yeah, a one way no move. Right. He can wave it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't care about him being under contract. Like, the, and I don't care about him not wearing the C. Obviously, which may change as early as next year. Honestly, um, yeah. If if he indicates he wants something done, that thing gets done. Or at least there's a lot more pressure to get it done. Again, <laughs> there's no indication that this. Whatever happened, especially yeah. as early as this season, as early as, you know, the first year after he signed the extension. Yep. Just saying, in a world in which I think it's a very limited possibility also that Brad Living goes out into the market and shops at the tippy top of it. Yeah. I, I think the only thing yeah, that no, can push him in that point. direction is Austin Matthews. Speaking of pressure being put on a person. Oh, sorry, actually. One other thing on mm-hmm. the on the on the deadline. Where are you at on the idea that and you know, I don't, I don't have a hard and fast thought on this, so maybe you don't as well either. But I've been thinking about it—the idea that the Leafs don't have assets to spend. I mean, they do, 
They just don't want to. Like, it's a guy who's down to his last, like, 10 bucks. It's like, he has it. He could yeah. spend it. He just ended up there first round pick. Yeah, right? It's like Easton Cowan is a thing that exists. Frazier Minton saw him score a goal wearing a pizza uniform for mm-hmm. some reason over, over the weekend. So they have all these pieces, but they also have cap space. And what do you make of the idea that the cap space and not needing as much retention? And I, you know, I've thrown out the idea of them maybe being a clearinghouse for some of these Western Conference yeah, teams. You I, love that. that you're I, like, no, that I, is so no, sexy. I want, to, I want to be clear. I loathe that. If there's a world where the Leafs, their big deadline move is third round picks that they can use in future deadlines, I'm going to lose my mind. But the idea that them, they might not be able to go asset for asset with another team that they're competing with, mm-hmm. but they could take the full freight of a contract. They can maybe take, you know, if you're dealing with a, yeah. and I haven't looked closely enough at this stuff, but if you're looking at an Arizona, it's like, is there some guy they don't want on the books for two, three million bucks at the mm-hmm. tail end of the year? Like how much is the financial might? And that's well, an interesting question we, we, I think going to be. We know pretty factually that it inhibited them from taking on Nikita Zadorov at the year, at the early stages yeah. of the season because they were still under the John Klingberg uh the the pressure that he was putting on them and well and, and I think it was also partially though that they didn't want to commit all of the space at that point in time to that move which uh, really smart of them because they've needed to use it for nothing yeah no <laughs> nothing and they, they will do something but yeah I I think it um it does open up the possibility of your of your sexy like uh, being a salary ret- uh, retention Again, clearinghouse. I, I want to don't paint this as what I want. Mm-hmm. I I am the guy at the beginning of the movie who's like this terrible thing could happen, yeah. and you're you're it's like why do you want it to happen so bad? I'm just I'm just telling you to look up, okay? Yeah, uh, I I think it it makes like those middling moves. Maybe you get like more at the poo poo platter. Like maybe you get like more middling assets, <laughs> but I don't think it allows you to make a, a bigger swing. All right, at I, the deadline. I tend to agree. All right, uh, person under the most pressure in the second half. I said person, yeah, not player, yeah. Maybe it's tipping my hand, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, I, mine is a player. Uh, it's uh, number sixteen. He wants a contract extension. Not eligible to have one yet. He's a guy who most needs a big second half. You know, consequences, what's at play? We've, we've done this a million times, but he's the guy who wears it the most when things don't go well. He's the local guy who always seems to get the brunt of these things, and I don't begrudge him that. You know, he he gets paid handsomely to, you know, wear, wear that. But he's also on pace for his lowest point total in three seasons now. We've been talking about him as a 100-point man who's never got to 100 points, and... I can easily see him turning it on and having a big second half, but he's going to have to do that. He's going to have to up the points per game number if he yeah. wants to get there. So you have a How can you explain to yourself? And I'm not even saying Leafs Nation. Go look in the mirror and tell yourself, Mitch Marner, that you've played with a 60-goal man and maybe a 60-goal, maybe a 70-goal man, and you do not have a 100-point season to show for it. Mm. You, you'd never be able to understand that. So I think that's the guy who's who's under the gun the most in the second half for the Leafs. Well, I mean, he is on pace for a career-high goals, though. Yeah. Like, what if he gets to 40 goals this season? I think that would I think that would matter. I think that would mitigate things. But I also think that because he is a, like, what are guys? They, they have their roles. And look, like, putting the net, puck in the net is the most important thing. But he's also a point producer. So I think you, he wants to get over that 100 part, point mark. If it's a 40-goal season, we're mm-hmm. not going to sit here and say, oh, Marner had a dog of a year. That's not what I'm saying at all. We'd kill for the 40-goal 92 pace or whatever that he's on. 
He wouldn't. He would like that to be a 40-goal, 100-point pace because when he wants to go into Trill Living's office this summer, ask him for his extension, or quite frankly, in the middle of January, like Nylander did probably next year, mm-hmm. he wants to do it as a 100-point man in the NHL. Yeah, there's no question about that. And if he gets to that point total in the second half, and yeah, the goaltending continues on the trajectory yeah. that it's getting to, we're not having these conversations mm-hmm. about these wildcard spots in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I don't think we will be. Mm, you, you never thought we would. Nope. And, I mean, again, the indicative play. I'm going to be you with the Chiefs. Be like, oh, look at me. (laughs) Months and months of being right. Right, yeah. All right, you're going to bank on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, Leafs, Chiefs, same exact thing. You'd be broke over the last, uh, I don't know, 50-plus years. Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, same thing. Um, To me, there's there's one obvious guy and one less obvious guy. The obvious guy is, to me, not the GM that was just hired, and certainly the pressure ramps up for him starting next season, depending on how the second half and the postseason goes. But, like, we could be staring down the barrel of the end of Brendan Shanahan's tenure. MLSC has a new president in Keith Pelly, and, and he takes over in the spring, and who the hell knows? And we talked to his, what, his, his former neighbor, Damian Cox, who That's said right. he's, like, a consolidator, and he's not a guy that comes in and cleans house. Well, maybe, maybe not. I've also had conversations with people who feel like the opposite might be true, that this is, and listen, anytime you get a new boss, that's, and you can, you have to like prove yourself once Mm -hmm. again, and you have to point to your track record, which by the way, not, not absolutely pristine. It was nice. Like, Listen, I've enjoyed mm-hmm. the Brendan Shanahan tenure a lot more than I did the previous Brendan Burke, Dave Nonis of yep. it all, no doubt. But there haven't been incremental s- steps forward, at least in the postseason. There have been, like, in record 115-point regular seasons. Yep. But, no, this is a team that is expected to win a Stanley Cup. They have one postseason win over the last seven mm-hmm. years to show for it. And if it remains one over eight, and Brendan Shanahan has to sit in an office with Keith Pelley and say – and Keith Pelley's like, all right, so what happened here? Like, what, what is what is his answer? So I think I think that's a really that question of what is his answer is really interesting because I think it depends what you think Brendan Shanahan's number one job is as Leafs president and managing or governor or whatever whatever he's, his title. He's not Richard Petty though. No, he's no, not like no. an accountant. Let like me, it's no. to, it's to win hockey games. I agree that hey, LeBron said it best. The main thing has to be the main thing. But he was brought in here. The first part of his mandate was it was the babism, basically. Make it safe. Mm. Welcome people back. Oh, doubles makes it safe. No, no. (laughs) What we forget about is like, well, I mean, we don't forget, but it's like the the hatchet has been buried now. Dave Keon, Mm -hmm. estranged from the franchise. All the Mm -hmm. guys who had their numbers honored. And I want to be clear. That is not what I think Brendan Shanahan should be judged on for his tenure. I mean, he would be screaming from the rooftops. It's like, look at all the things I did. That that statue. Look at it. Look at all the money we made. It's like, yeah, no thanks. Uh, I think uh, we we could get uh, one of those, you know, the the plastic birds that dips his nose into the the water to take over this job and he would make as much money as you. I don't know that NHL owners feel that way because they've had the same commissioner for the better part of, uh, I don't know, the entirety of my life, basically. So I don't know that that is as, as common a thought as, yeah, you can just put anybody in there. Like, I... I have my questions about the Shanahan tenure, but that is the thing I'm wondering is what he has he been judged on in the past. And again, of course, the wins and losses and the performance of the hockey team should be the 95% of that job. But when you're the president of a team that is as big as the Leafs, 
You have tentacles in lots of other places, and there's reasons you empower the hockey people you do. Don't take this as me not saying that he should be worried. or he Like, I agree with all that. I, when all the heat came on Dubas at the end of last season, I said, what about the guy whose name is on the play? And so I agree with what you're saying. I just think it'll be very interesting because, hey, Pelly's coming in. And what was he brought in to do? Like, again, I've I don't heard, know. I've heard conflicting theories on this as well. The idea of you don't hire somebody like that to, all right, status quo is great. Mm-hmm. Keep it going. But that's why you hire, like, the Air Canada CEO who, to do that. Who we never heard speak. Right. Right. Great job. No, we're going to hear Keith Pelly speak. I would think. So, yeah, that's uh, – I, I, I think it's interesting. That isn't where I necessarily thought you were going with it when you uh, when you said a, a person. So, good yeah. job. Nice okay. answer. I like Th- it. Thank you. How about this one? Mm. Because I said – yeah. I had – to me yeah. – Carlton the Bear. No. Um, the obvious answer, I guess, is Elias Samsonov because he's got a, a an expiring contract. This is a guy yep. that, yeah, his future earning potential is on the line here if he doesn't continue what he's done the last three, three games plus since returning – from the quote-unquote Marlies where he never played a game and I don't think even skated with uh, that team. But to me, it's actually Joseph Wall. Mm. Uh, and we'll see how quickly after the All-Star break he he does return. So I, I think whatever – the reason it's not Samson is because whatever he does in the second half of the season, I think the numbers are so far gone that he won't be able to salvage them. And he'll be looking for another short-term deal somewhere else. And while I could talk myself into it being the Leafs with Frank Saravelli yesterday, I don't truly believe it is the Leafs, and there's probably a clean separation at the conclusion of this season. Like, there's extenuating circumstances. Like, if it really, like, to get back to over a 900 save percentage would be an otherworldly second half of the season. Yep. And then to have some insane postseason run, okay. All right, then then you really do have to think about a long-term extension for him if you were the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if it's not here, then maybe finally somebody is like, well, God, it was such a, a tough start. But look at what he did in the second half in the most um, critical media market yeah. in this league, in the most difficult position as far as scrutiny is concerned. But I don't think that's, that's going to happen. I think he's going to be fine the rest of the season. And the numbers at the end of the year are going to look awful. So he's going to be looking for another short-term deal to try and re, uh, regain his value. To me, it's, it's Joe Wall, who is under contract for under a million bucks again next season. But who we all expected this season to play out in a, f- in a fashion in which he emerged as the number one starter. And it, it happened in game three of the season. And he had fits and starts, and there's mm-hmm. some advanced numbers that are really, really kind to him. But guess what happened? He got hurt again. Mm-hmm. And Martin Jones filled the void, and here comes Ilya Samsonov again. And if Joe Wall does not reemerge as the starter and Ilya Samsonov is departing in free agency, while the Soros deal probably doesn't happen at the deadline this year, is that if it's not Soros, it's somebody of that ilk where it's somebody you're looking to acquire to compete with Joe Wall as the starter next season. If Joe Wall ends up the starter and is starting game one of a postseason series and he's the guy in net for this Leafs team in the postseason and they have success, you can easily sell yourself on somebody like a Dan Vladar type, a, a Laurent Brossois type who's just playing second fiddle to Joe Wall's number one. If he's not able to accomplish that, you got to go back out and get at least somebody you you would feel comfortable in being the starter for a prolonged period of time. Well, and I agree with that, but I think the more important thing is that Brad Treliving really agrees with that. Look at his track record. This guy gets goalies, okay? He is not somebody who is happy to, what can I get? And again, I, you, you know, Frank made a good point of this yesterday. I don't think any team looks at it as an afterthought of a position, but there is certainly two schools of thought. 
I want my stud or let's get some lotto tickets and see how this goes. And I think the thing with Joe Wall is that even if he performs and let's say, I mean, it'd have to be a long run, but let's say, I don't know, let's say they win two series. Is that a long enough run? Not in terms of performance, but it's going to be health. Like I think Joe Wall can perform as well as he wants, but given his track record of health, are you not going to need a backup that you at very, you don't feel like you need to come in and steal the net from him or compete with him, mm-hmm. but you do need a backup that you say, Ooh, you might need to carry the mail here for right. a month or maybe two at a time because of who our, our starter is. If you do, if it is proven that you should go with wall. And again, like I'm a wall, believer i think that's very much a part of it or i i that's the route i think is most likely to happen at the end of all this but at the but at the outset of it i just don't know how you can have faith in the in the health of a guy who's never shown it and guess what he could be healthy from here till the end of the playoffs he still hasn't shown it this no, year because he was right. hurt yeah i mean to that point I, this is not on my list mm-hmm. of questions but Leafs don't have a back-to-back until like the end of february here <laughs> do you all right Rate the percentage chance that we don't see Martin Jones again this season. 34% chance. I think it's, I I know this is a cop out. All right, I'll do 51%. I think it's possible. I think it's more likely than not that we, we don't see Martin Jones again. Cause I would, I would hope like if, if Joe wall is trialing with the Leafs uh, out to Western Canada and you get this, you know, week yeah. and a half off for the all-star break, I would I would hope that he's ready to play in a back-to-back by the end of February. Yeah. So I mean you're looking at another injury. Like I I think the well, Leafs are going to carry three goalies. Like I don't think he's going to have to go through waivers. Mm-hmm. But that's the part that I think does lead a little crazy. I I can if just you, if he's on the roster though, it's not and everybody's healthy, even well, if you're carrying him as your third goalie, he's not playing. Well, I can Okay, I now that we talked this out, I think you're mostly right, but I can still see a world where, okay, so Samsonov is your starter, Wall's there, and it's supposed to be Wall's net the next night. Like, it's a back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. It's supposed to be Wall's night, Sunday. Wall wakes up sick. Well, that's it. It's, then, well, it'd be an injury yeah, or an illness. Yeah, yeah. and I don't, uh, but having said that, it's just the Leafs, and they're so hyper-cautious about these back-to-backs. I don't know, given what they saw to Martin Jones, that they wouldn't say, all right, go take the start, Marty. You can have this one spot start as opposed to, and again, I'm using the biggest air quotes here because mm-hmm. I, I do believe NHL players can play in back-to-back games is that, you know, the, you don't attack Samsonov with the back-to-back. I don't think it's an issue, but with how careful this team is and especially if it's the other way mm-hmm. if wool gets the start on the first night and samsonov is supposed to and he's ill or something i just don't think we're uh completely in the clear there that's why i went with the 30 i was i wasn't sure where in the 30s to go and then i just figured 34 yeah. is a good leaf number no f- uh, 51.365 nice. percent that we haven't that we've seen the end of uh the martin jones era in toronto it was it was a good era didn't end particularly well but you know what he, hey he, it's not over that, <laughs> Marty Jones, Black Ace, who says no? Why not? Yeah, well, yeah. Either way, even when Joe Wall returns, I think, yeah. They're probably not trying to run back the Martin Jones trying to clear waivers thing again. Um, all right, when we come back, Dylan Brooks versus LeBron James version Our two. Dylan Brooks. Yeah, uh, we'll get into that and, and the Raptors in Chicago tonight next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Show Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. So, yeah, in uh, Toronto, and you know what? Frankly, in the Eastern Conference, mm. outside of the Miami Heat, who have lost seven consecutive after yet another loss yesterday to find themselves in the play-in tournament in the Eastern Conference, they lost the uh, Phoenix Suns. Um, That's their recipe, though. What's that, losing to the no, Phoenix in the play-in. Suns? In the play-in, you got to, like, make it as right. hard as possible on yourself. Well... Yeah, so, I mean, there's proof of concept there. But they're the only team, like, no offense to the Magic Bulls and Nets. It's like mm. they're the only interesting team in the Eastern Conference play-in tournament. And the Raptors, you know, we saw what it looks like for a mid-link team to be there. It's mm-hmm. not It's not so great for that. I, listen, if this version of the Raptors went on some insane second-half run and got themselves into the play-in tournament, what an incredible accomplishment and what an incredible learning experience that would be to get there. But... Yeah, the teams that are in there right now, that's the gross. And perhaps more importantly, convey the pick. Y- yes. And we'll get to the, the Raptors and their their pick uh, thought process coming up in just a second. But in the Western Conference, yeah, once again, you have some interesting uh, fodder there to 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 get our to whet our appetite mm. for the Western Conference postseason. As the Lakers just lost again to an upstart Houston Rockets team that has done everything I think you would have expected in year one where, like, you're trying to build as opposed mm-hmm. to, like, rebuild. And they signed Fred Van Vliet to all the money, and they went out and got Dylan Brooks. And here they are just outside the play-in picture uh, at 22 and 24. But just inside the play-in picture is now the Los Angeles Lakers at exactly 500 at 24 and 24. The Mavs are in there with Luka and Kyrie, Zion and the Pelicans are in there, and the and the Jazz team that has looked pretty good in the second half. Speaking of the Lakers, though, played the Rockets yesterday. Mm-hmm. Lost to the Rockets. They're down like almost 30 points yeah. in that basketball game. They made it respectable at the end, but now they lost a game. Like, every game from here on out for that Lakers team feels like do or die. I don't know. Already champions. Sure. <laughs> the in-season tournament, and, I mean, boy, like, which is more fraudulent, the actual title they won in the bubble with Anthony Davis against, again, like the the Heat with Jimmy Butler, who was by himself considering all the injuries and had an incredible postseason yep. run. But yep. yeah, I, I think we I mean, look at everything that happened during 2020 in sports as yeah. kind of eh, yeah, you know, I'm of not two, as legit. You know, I'm of two minds of this, that of, that all COVID titles have to be stamped. Uh, but LeBron stamped his a long time ago. So I'm like, LeBron's title yeah. is legit from the bubble. But, but Anthony the Lakers Davis is... as a whole, yeah, that he needs one more. Yeah. Then he'll have one and a half. All right. That's my math on that. We've and... heard there's boy math, there's girl math. That is COVID title math in the year 2024. Anyways, you got to match up against Dylan Brooks once again, who uh, the Grizzlies were like, thanks, but no thanks. Killed all their leverage, mm-hmm. first of all, in potential trade by saying, this guy's like not going to be a part of our team at the end of the season. Yeah. And lo and behold, he wasn't. And he ends up signing in Houston and not China like the jokes people were making yeah he had an incredible run with Canada the FIBAs uh leading that team yes. like having some massive massive Him moments and, and maybe like part of the springboarding towards this season was that and uh, he'll be playing once again in the Olympics this summer but 
big part of the reason why the Rockets are more than respectable this season and beating LeBron James and Anthony Davis yesterday and back to his old shenanigans, mm-hmm. getting into it with, well, Jared Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt gets ejected in that mm-hmm. game. And I will say, like, of all the lo- little chippiness, that was the the one that you probably, you'd rather not see guy in uh, alone and you give him the shove uh, from behind. Yep. Uh, Dylan Brooks did, and Vanderbilt didn't take too kindly to that, but also smoked LeBron James in the face, mm-hmm. and LeBron took about half an hour to get back up off the uh, off yep. the ground. Uh, Brooks given a technical, but not ejected in that game. His team wins the game, and now he's got Flea upset. This from Flea. Fred Hot Chili Peppers fame. Yes. I mean, is there another flea? I don't know. I feel I... I, I not an actual flea. No, I know, but like, I, I don't like, I just wanted to... Give people some context, okay? I feel like most people, I know. Just I mean, do you have to say that for Elvis? I mean, not comparing Flea to Elvis. Well, I think you just did, so I don't know. But yeah, I have no problem comparing Flea to Elvis. Who, I mean, that's not fair. Elvis is a bad example, but like. Yeah, it's like, he's pretty famous. Flea is among the most famous like musicians. Totally. In yeah, mo- North like, America? Among like, most. Honestly, well, is he more is, famous than Anthony Kiedis? I, I, I think so. I hmm, that's interesting. I don't know. I'm not ruling out the possibility. Yeah. Unlike, unlike when I said I might be cooler than you and you completely ruled that out, yeah. I'm not ruling out the possibility that Flea more notable than Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, and, and now that Jack Nicholson's kind of, yeah, I mean, he shows up every once in a while. The most famous Laker fan well, going there, right now? There was forever, like, a thought that Denzel? it was good. Yeah, it was like, well, there's, like, a battle royale that should be happening. Like, you got Leo, but, you know, I feel like he's busy. Mm-hmm. I just, here's my thing on that is it should be Flea because that shouldn't, much like I love that Will Arnett and Justin Bieber, like those guys care about the Leafs. Like mm-hmm. they're real Leaf fans. That shouldn't be a thing you do just to do it. You really should care about Flea your team. Flea really That's cares why I'm about saying. the Lakers. It should be him now that I've come around to it. God, and who doesn't love Flea? My goodness. I, I Flea. I got a lot of time for Flea, <laughs> except for this tweet. Uh, <laughs> at Flea333, dear Houston Rockets fans, I know you are happy and you just beat the Lakers. I get it. I love my team too. But admit you are embarrassed to have Dylan Brooks, the idiot child, on your team. To which I would say, as not a Rockets fan, yeah. no. Oh, to which I would say, would have the version of me that existed before the FIBA World Cup watching Dylan Brooks and feeling that I feel about this tweet and the version I feel now are two completely different humans. Last year when he was going at LeBron, I go, okay, come on, it's a little tiresome. And then look, you put on the cape for Canada, he's Captain Canada, go do your thing. I will never I will never stray from, from Dylan Brooks again. So this is awesome. You want pests in the game. You want people who matter. Unless this- it's Draymond Green for whatever reason. Yeah, but... I think with Draymond Green, it's that honestly, it's just like with any of these guys, it's not that their their antics become less effective. It's that you, or I'll speak for myself, I just grow tired of it. I even don't. even in the NHL, the guys who it's like who do it the longest, I you love it, you appreciate it, but you're also God, your face. Why do you why do you have yeah, to? Yeah, but do the that? NHL when we're talking about like Matt a Cook, pest. it's it's like a different deal where yeah. there is actual like physical long term damage that you can do if you're yeah, one but of I'm those also guys. Talking Talking about like, uh, and these are different stratosphere players, but it's like even a Marshawn. It's like uh, you know the career uh-huh. builds. You go, oh, I respect how much you do, and then you go, okay, it's just been too long, and you go away. I'm annoyed by <sighs> well, you. Well, but so. yeah, but that's the point. Yeah. Like every other fan base is supposed to hate that yeah. guy. Yeah. No, no, no. We we got to see it firsthand from Dylan Brooks. If he's an effective player, that's incredible. And yeah. even the Warriors would tell you, it's like, oh, it's tiresome too, and you know maybe it cost us a title when he was suspended for Game Five against the Cavaliers. But uh, look at our did. team without him. Yeah. 
Holy God. Yeah. He's the only reason you can convince yourself there's a second half surge coming. Mm. He is the glue that keeps this team together. Like Seth Curry, no one's going to confuse the two. Right. But no Draymond Green, no playoffs. Well, no... also no Clay Thompson good anymore is a big part of that sure, as well. No but, Kevin Durant. Yeah, no. but Draymond, like more and more. No, no, I'm not. I, this isn't me diminishing Draymond. I just think there's many reasons for the Warriors' precipitous decline, not, not strictly the absence of Draymond. I think this is, I mean, you're kind of making my case for me with the Brad Marshine thing. Okay. Like every other fan base is supposed yeah. to hate your dude, but what does he do? Like he he is effective. Yeah. And in the case of Dylan Brooks, it's like we're we're not talking about the same no, stratosphere of, of like a Draymond Green or a Brad Marshawn. Yeah. But yeah, look at that Rockets team and you know, look at the game that they had totally. against the greatest of all time or the second greatest of all time. And the fact that they're up in and around yeah. five hundred considering where they were a season ago and and it you can't not attribute some of it oh, to man. that guy. I think there's, I think there, you know, there are other things at play here, but there are kind of three guys I attribute it to. And, you know, they all go about it a slightly different way, but it's Dylan Brooks. It's Fred Van Vliet. And it's the head coach, Udoka. It's mm-hmm. like, he came in, he's like, this is how we're going to play. He was the one screaming at LeBron earlier in the year saying, I'm not afraid of you. I'm a wolf at you if I want. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that a lot, I think some people say, you know, who are you? Whatever. And I say, good. You want your coach standing up to anybody. You know, we, we had all these conversations in the, Le- the Lebronto era of, yeah, he's great. You don't have to completely defer to him. You can get in his face. You can still treat him like someone you're competing against. So I, yeah, I think that Rockets team, the way they're building, I don't, you know, they need, they need to have their guy. It has to be Jalen green or, you know, Shangun maybe is the guy that hits there to really kind of take it off to the stratosphere. But when you have those pieces around it, mm-hmm. we've seen it here in Toronto. It's like, if you get the guy with those other pieces around it and they have the right mentality, it's amazing what can happen. Yeah. No one's admitting that they're embarrassed because they're not embarrassed of Dylan Brooks. That's part of the Dylan Brooks experience <laughs> scoreboard. I would say to flee. And I hate, I hate, I, know, I'm I sorry. hate going up against flea. Because again, I love that man and everything he stands for. Yeah, and I would. I it, yeah, it's just, and that's how I feel about Dylan Brooks after he did that for Canada. Yeah, can't wait to see him in Paris this summer. All right, clapping uh, in LeBron's face again. <laughs> please, just need it, need it, right in his need grill. He did. Maybe, well, maybe he should it. flick him in the back of the head like Buddy. Vanderbilt did to him. And I know they're they're trying to get some Canadians down to Vegas uh, in the pre-Olympic tournament. There's mm. going to be an exhibition game between Canada and the United States in Vegas. Like, just this Dylan is... Brooks, Draymond Green fight. Why not? He, no, yeah. just UFC. Like... Yeah, Draymond was notably left off the American team. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be uh, Dylan Brooks and LeBron James uh, in a couple of battles this summer again. Potentially earlier than that, maybe in a playing tournament game in the Western Conference. All right, Raptors in Chicago tonight. Uh, R.J. Barrett out with his knee injury. Manuel quickly, he is doubtful with that thigh thing. Jakob Pertl is like upgraded to questionable. It's all irrelevant because I guess wins are irrelevant right now. Um, please tell me what I'm supposed to be rooting for here because the, the Raptors now find themselves fifth worst record in all of the NBA, and their average draft position is now in the the bottom six which means it would like more likely than not they would retain their pick this season which means that next year's pick would potentially convey to the spurs as a result of the Jakob Pertl deal but next year they're supposed to be maybe worse or some of the teams that are worse than them are supposed to be better it's not like a year where they're expected to be in the postseason next year it's a better draft overall and if they don't convey it next year it just becomes two seconds so tell me what I'm supposed to be rooting for. Can you explain it to me? 
No, I right. wish I could. You have asked me this question, uh, I think, bi-weekly about the Raptors, both before, during, and after the trades, and somehow I've got even less clarity now, despite them having the roster they're supposed to have. Obviously, the injuries, I mean, when you're missing quickly and Barrett, what are we doing here? This is like, this is bar, this is just the barn show when Siakam was hurt. We've seen this movie before. So I think that what you want in a perfect world, if you're able to convey the pick this year, that's best case scenario. It doesn't really matter what happens beyond that. Like, okay, get in a playoff tournament game. Great. That's nice. Even if it's the seventh overall pick, which is like the worst situation it could be. Like, because even in a diminished draft, yeah. like seven, that hurts. It does hurt. But I think that given the, given the holes that are still going to exist on this team next year, given the fact that you do think some of these other teams make some strides, given the fact that if you look at the teams at the top of the East, I don't think any of them are about to fall off a crater anytime soon. I mean, you know, the 76ers, it's like, I suppose it's like, so long as Joel Embiid is healthy, they're I think terrifying. You'd fall into a crater. That's a great point. You wouldn't fall off of one. No. That's very good. Well, you fall off the surface into the crater, to your mm. point. So you're right. But I think, so that's why you're not looking at a team that's going to compete in a big way next year. It would hurt to give up the seventh pick, but this is where I'm going off of what everybody says. If the draft is as bad as you all have led me to believe, then is the seventh pick this year the equivalent of the 14th pick next year yeah. or something along those lines? No, like we need somebody to explain that. that yeah. right? Like what's, I, I think it's pretty easy to put yourself in a spot that like giving up the the ninth pick next year is is a lot worse than giving up the seventh pick this year. But like, what about giving up the 12th pick? Like the, yeah. next year, is that as bad as giving up the seventh pick? We need somebody need to pick, explain that you know, to us. They used to have, and I don't know how true this holds still, but it's like the NFL was the one league that it's like, here's the sheet, mm-hmm. the draft capital. You're moving up this many spots at this time. It's worth X, Y, or Z. We so badly need that on uh, for, for the NBA. And also just, we started this segment when you talking about flea and me going of red hot chili peppers flame. We got two texts on that. Who the bleep is flea? And yeah, thanks, Brent. I had no clue who Flea was. So we were both right. Mm, okay. That's surprising. That sounds like a poll. Uh, anyways, I'll, I'll try and think of a, well, a, the problem a, a pop is, is culture, like neither a pop culture equivalent to Flea. Well, I was just going to say neither of us can do it because it's like, yeah, the demo, like we're obviously like, you know, mm-hmm. given ages and stuff. Yeah, we know who Flea is, but I don't know. I just feel like people in the car might not know. All right. Uh, and discuss more, perhaps, as okay. the show progresses. But when we come for, back... That'll be the first question for Anthony Petrielli. How yeah. famous is Flea? <laughs> Who's not in our demo, I don't think. I think he I, actually might be a perfect guy to ask. Yeah, but no, like, yes, but he'll know. Mm, I agree, because everyone knows. <laughs> All right, when we come back, back into the Leafs. Does Brad Drew... Uh, we should have asked Joe Theismann yesterday. That's, that's what we should have done. Yeah. Then we would have hit both sides of it. I Who's on I, which, I'll let you decide. I think I have a, a pretty good understanding of where Joe Theismann would have been on the matter, too. All right, coming up next, does Brad Drew Living deserve credit for not having fired Sheldon Keefe? That and more next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.